When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. As always, we are joined by our super producer, Noel Brown. His nickname for this podcast, I, I, I want to pitch this to you, Scott, should be in. In. Just that. Just the letter in. Or oh, the letter in. I think you're saying I in, like in. Oh, okay. I'm going to say, how about this? I'm going to propose this one. Creed. Ah, okay. Creed. I'll play your reindeer games. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's what this makes me think of every time I hear it. <laughs> As would any good Rocky fan, right? Right. Absolutely. Right. So today we're talking about the Gumpert Apollo. And you can't help but think of Apollo Creed, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> did I really need to put that together for the listener? I, I don't think I did. I think everybody knew probably. I, I would like to think so. Did you <laughs> Did you see Creed? Uh, no, I haven't film? seen the new one. No. I haven't seen the new one either. I hear I hear good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan of the original Rocky series, though. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? It had to be. Watched on those giant laser discs. You know, the ones <laughs> that were size of, like, a, a big records? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the friend's house, he had one of those. Now, I think he had, like, two movies. He had that. He had, like, it was, like, Rocky Two and mm-hmm. uh, and Apocalypse Now. His dad had that, and we watched that. Which probably shouldn't have been watching at that age, but we were. Oh, Apocalypse Now is one of my favorite films. Yeah. Yeah, we watched it many times uh, because that was one of the very few Giant, were available. giant laser disc that, you know, it took two of us to load the thing in practically. Yeah, so, I had, so big. B- before we get to the actual <laughs> show, I had a one laser disc experience and it was, uh, the school I was at had, you know, put some, put some government money into new modern technology. Oh, that was, uh, that was wise expenditure. Like, right? like a laser disc player. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, we had, uh, I think our school had maybe the, they had a one laser disc player and they had six laser discs and one of them for some reason, the other five were educational. The other one was, uh, people under the stairs, the horror movie. No way. Yes way. Really? Yeah. Sounds like a teacher brought that in and just left it back. I think that's what it had to be. Cause I'm, I, Surely there's no way that a school would approve buying a horror no, movie. So that's what they're doing in the faculty lounge all day. They're just watching people under the stairs on repeat. <laughs> scary movies, yeah. <laughs> oh, if you met my teachers. But um, but Rocky is a super 
series of films. Apocalypse Now is a masterpiece. It's a super series of films. This is the best way I can segue into today's topic, the Gumpert Apollo, which is, of course, a supercar. Of course. Yeah, it's a German supercar, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it a little bit different. Now, we'll, we'll get into the, the, you know, the whole story of it and, uh, you know, even some, some really up-to-date information about this company. So, uh, I first want to mention that this is a listener suggestion. Comes oh, yes. from a listener named Aaron S. And Aaron has been, uh, corresponding with us for several years now, mm-hmm. I think. And Aaron wrote in, as part of our Nuts and Bolts episode last time, I guess it was, you know, something that he had written in last year, really. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember June, that. <laughs> June of 2015. But remember, there was like a year gap when we didn't do a Nuts and Bolts. That's true. Uh, so there was a lot of built up email. And, and thank uh, you to all the patient listeners. You guys are the best. We get to things eventually. Eventually, yeah. It's not quite as bad as our uh, International Harvester case where it was, what, three years? <laughs> uh, but this, this one is a, a, almost a year old, maybe. Mm-hmm. He wrote in in June of 2015 and mentioned um, that the uh, the Gumpert Apollo is a supercar that not many people know of, but an amazing car all around. And we happen to agree, Aaron, because that is today's topic. And uh, digging into it, it, it certainly is. I mean... It, this is a, a car that, Ben, it kind of took me by surprise. It, it, mm-hmm. it, right when I first started working here at How Stuff Works and, you know, really focusing on, uh, you know, automotive news, I guess, you know, like what's happening at the um, at the Nürburgring and, uh, you know, just really, I guess, focusing on what's happening mm-hmm. in, in motorsport. Um, this one took me by surprise. I'd never heard of the Gumpert Apollo until I started working here. There, there was no news ahead of time that I had picked up on because there was um, – there was a uh, a record lap time set in 2007, but that's not the beginning of the company. Right? No, no. The beginning of the company dates back to 2004, so it's still a relatively new kid on the block. Yeah, the idea was in the uh, the founder's head, I guess, from about 2000 on, because mm-hmm. the, the thought was that he was going to create what would be Germany's answer to, like, the Italian hypercar manufacturers, like, um, you know, Ferrari and Lamborghini and Pagani, you know, those... those uh, um, I guess uh, high-profile manufacturers mm-hmm. of, of what you call supercars now. They call them hypercars. We have a different term for hypercars yeah, around yeah. here, but um, supercars. We'll stick with that for today. We'll but just stick with that. This is like Germany's version of that, a very low-volume manufacturer. They never were intended to produce a lot. I mean, I think they had the initial initial goal in 2004 or five of producing about 30 cars a year. Mm-hmm. That was it. Very small amount. Now, the um, the tech specs of this stuff are pretty impressive as well. Just the the original, um, the the first okay, the first model like a uh, scale model, one to four scale model. They made all the way back in two thousand two. Yeah, so they were before like, the company even existed. Yeah, that was like for wind tunnel testing mm-hmm, and stuff, right? right. The, yeah, yeah. So they uh, they they worked on a couple little models before they even built a prototype, which I think uh, that's that's pretty much standard procedure, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you consider, uh, I'm not going to go super cheap yet, but especially when you consider the price of this kind of vehicle. Well, sure. I mean, I think that you know, even working on a a small scale like that, you know, a quarter scale model. Uh, that has, it's still got to be very, very expensive. Oh, absolutely. It's only comparatively inexpensive. Uh, where do you want to go with this? Because we have a lot of stuff to talk about. All right. Here. Well, let's see. How about, let's uh, stick with uh, the founding of the company first. We'll get into some of the specs later on as we, okay. as we get towards uh, the more modern stuff. But, um, 
Yeah, so it was founded in 2004, and, uh, you know, we mentioned 30 cars were planned to be built each year. The first cars weren't built until about 2005, and that's after they made a couple of prototypes, I believe, just right ahead of that, right? Right, yeah, they made uh, two uh, two prototype Apollos first, and then they started production in October of 2005. Okay, that's good. And, Ben, I should point out here that these were only sold to European, Middle Eastern, and U.S. markets, so... It's not everywhere, and it, it, I'm kind of surprised to see the U.S. market on there. Typically, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of shut out of things like this, right? Yeah, we're often the last in line. <laughs> That's true. It, it seems like it, but uh, but thankfully, it's here. And you know what? One quick little side note on uh, just uh, before we move on here with the, mm-hmm. the company history. Mm-hmm. I have yet to see one of these things on the road in a museum anywhere outside of uh, you know online. Yeah, I have not seen one in real life yet either. No, and you think with you know the amount of car shows that we go to and the area mm-hmm. that we live in. And, you know, people wanted to do something just a little bit different, have something unique, strange. Yeah. Because uh, we see some really strange cars here, like one-offs and um, uh, you know, spiker cars and, uh, you know, things that people... Fiskers, I mean, which you almost never see. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I compare it to almost to, like, uh, you know, down in Miami or something, where mm-hmm. um, if you're not driving the latest supercar, uh, you know, you're out of style. That's what it seems like. Right. I mean, at times around here. Um, and, and all the shows we go to that are specifically focused on exotics, you would think that we would see... A gumpert at some point, but we just haven't yet. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning behind that is. I mean, maybe there's only like two or three in the United States total. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure of the. I was because I was trying to find the manufacturing numbers or the sales numbers rather mm-hmm. for the U.S. And this this is a car that you would see in Los Angeles or Miami. Yeah. Um, we we do have uh, the the good fortune to live in a town with a a bunch of car enthusiasts and gearheads and people who do buy the latest models. And I mean, have a lot of money. Right. There yeah. are a lot of celebrities who live here, athletes, etc. Yeah. Uh, but recording artists, recording artists. But for some reason, man, this is maybe the subject of something else. For some reason, the only thing people seem to want to buy for the past few months have been those Polaris sidekicks. <laughs> Yeah. You know what you know, I mean? That's true. They you were know, nowhere, now they're everywhere. They really are. I see them in parking lots and you know I used to I used to think, "Oh my god, I'm going to I'm going to turn around and go take a photo of that." Now I don't even turn around anymore to take the photo because of I mean, I've posted a couple of them on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. you know, personal sightings or whatever around town, but to be honest, I mean, we're getting a little bit jaded, Ben, because mm-hmm. uh we we see so many of those things around. It's fun to see them. And I I got to oh, be yeah. honest, I I rarely see them driving. I see them parked <laughs> mostly. That's uh, that's where I see them. Um, I've seen him. I've I've seen him driving, and I've. I don't know if I told you. I saw one at a drive-through. A drive-through. That's. Uh-huh. I don't know why that's strange to me, but it is. What? Let me ask you this: Was the owner wearing a helmet? The owner was wearing a helmet. Okay. It did match the sidekick. You know, like it had the same uh, paint specs, and sure. uh, I think the weirdest. The. I, I hope this doesn't sound bad, ladies and gentlemen, but you know how fads are and we've done some stuff on the polaris and it's a cool vehicle oh i'd love to have one yeah i'd love to it's it's not a daily driver by any means oh no but it it seems like it's a lot of fun to drive from what we looked at you're a growing business which means you need every spare hour you can find that's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in slack slack is where work happens with all your people data and information in one ai powered place start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites or build an automation with workflow builder to take routine tasks off your plate no coding required grow your business in slack visit slack.com to get started
If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I saw somebody pick up their kid and like a middle school or something in one and it hit me i was like oh these these aren't cool anymore really because because of that one thing that one uh... i don't know why that must have been like the tipping point man because a lot of people like them because they were new and unique and exclusive but you lose exclusivity when a lot of people have them i'm talking about I'm purely talking about public perception. I'm not talking about the specs in any way. So it's like yesterday's minivan to you now. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Maybe not that far. Maybe it hasn't slid down that no, far. No, nothing, nothing like that. Let's say, let's say it's uh, just a little more commonplace. And the Gumpert is, you know, I don't think the Gumpert's ever going to get that common. Well, I hope not. I mean, I, I wouldn't think it can. I don't, I don't even know if it can, but uh, I guess. It depends on where they go in the future, Ben, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's get, let's jump back into, you know, what's going on with this vehicle, maybe. And, um, we should probably start at the beginning by talking about the first cars. Yeah, the first cars. And, and the founder, I don't know if we've mentioned this, he was part of, uh, Audi, the Audi VW group. Oh, yeah, Roland Gumpert. Yeah, he had come back from, uh, from, I think it was China. Yeah, around the end of 2001. With the idea to do all this. So that's how that all kind of, uh, was spawned, you know, the idea. And, um, yeah, the cars that they started producing, just incredible. I mean, it's a, it's what you, everything you expect out of a supercar, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. it's long, low, wide, you know, uh, going doors. Mean engine. Yeah, yeah, twin turbo. We can talk about the engine in just a minute, but, um, you know, so, carbon fiber body yeah. panels and uh-huh. fiberglass. I think that was optional. I think fiberglass was the standard, I believe, on the, on the first ones. Um, had a tubular frame, mm-hmm. of course it was two seats, uh, mid-engine, rear-wheel drive, just an incredible vehicle. It's relatively lightweight, it's about 2,600 pounds, I think, depending on your options. Um, 
essentially it's a street legal race car, really. Uh huh. Sort of. I mean, there's a, there's one later that's a, it's a little closer to that, but, um, an amazing vehicle. And they said that, you know, <laughs> I love, I love how they put this when they're talking about the, uh, the design of the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, they do the thing that, uh, F1 and IndyCar always says where, you know, theoretically this car could drive upside down if it were to, uh, <laughs> right. if it were to be able to do that. And, you know, of course, they've never tested that. You know, that's something you don't really test, but but that's just based on the amount of downforce that this car produces. And in mm-hmm. fact, I think they claim they make a claim uh, that this is the street car with the most downforce of any car out there. This is uh, it's one. So so I guess it's uh, emphasis on handling. You know, mm-hmm. that, and it, of course, you'd be able to get up to speed pretty quick with that engine too. So oh, let's talk about the engine. It's a it's an Audi sourced mm-hmm. V eight engine. But they've tuned it up quite a bit. Right. Yeah. Right. Twin turbo. Mm-hmm. Intercoolers. <laughs> That's yeah, it's a it's a fantastic engine. So it's uh four thousand hundred and sixty three CC uh bi intercooled, as Scott said, Audi V eight. And uh the do you want to talk a little bit about my favorite parts? The sure. Uh, let's thought, talk about speed. Oh, okay. So, okay, you said it's a, a 4163 cc engine. So that's a, like a 4.1 liter engine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the speed. Tell me about the speed. Okay. Oh, you know what? Let's not confuse this though, because there are three models, and one of them. Oh, good point. One of them's called the speed. So, so the <laughs> base. True, well, yeah. the base vehicle happens to be called the speed. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's hear about speed. So we're looking at 650 horsepower. Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, in this day and age, it's not, in this day and age, it's not bad still. Uh, in three point, like this reaches, uh, they, you know, it's a European company, so they do, their zero to a hundred is in kilometers. Mm-hmm. So that would be about 62 miles per hour. Their zero to 60, 3.1 seconds. 3.1. Not bad. That's, not uh, bad. that's right along the lines of, uh, Oh, the McLarens. I think they were around two point nine, something like that. You know, even right now, and this was we're talking back in two thousand five. Yeah, two thousand five, two thousand seven, somewhere around there. So, uh, so a real performer. So that that was the base speed version. They called the speed. Oh wait, yeah, top speed of the speed is uh two hundred twenty three point nine miles per hour. Whoa! Now that's okay. That's something that they have kept relatively consistent all the way through the the company. I mean, through from beginning to end. Uh, they had three versions initially. They had the base speed version, which we just mm-hmm. told you about. They had the sport version, which upped it to about 690 horsepower. And then they had a race version, which was 789 horsepower. And they also, they, I think they, you know, of course they raced in that one. I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But, mm-hmm. uh, they also had a hybrid version that they raced on the track as well. And the hybrid version, um, had something like, 512, it's a different engine configuration. I'll tell you about right, that yeah, too. Right, yeah, for sure. 512 horsepower out of a 3.3 liter V8, and then you combine that with 134 horsepower from an electric motor, you know, like an assist. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, uh, what is it, 646 total horsepower, but that allowed them to race in a different group, uh, you know, that they, that they wanted to compete in. So, uh, that hybrid version, of course, has its own place in history. Now, and it has its regenerative Braking, which is pretty cool. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that race version that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the I guess they call it the Apollo R, if you want to, uh, Road and Track. That's what they call it. And they said that they claim that that one was reaching 860 horsepower. Now that's probably a, I mean, a finely tuned version of the 789 horsepower engine that we're, uh, you know, we talked about originally. And I think, I think that still goes. I didn't have any engine specs for the R version. So I think that's still that 4.1 liter engine, the uh, the Audi V8 again. So it was, for a time, 
faster than the Veyron, faster than the Zonda. Yeah, that's oh, that's a thing. Like, uh, and we found that out on uh, Top Gear. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, okay, so here's what happened. Um, around 2007, I think, is when they made their first run at the um, the Nurburgring. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we've we've talked about this so many times on our show. In fact, we have a full episode, I think, on the Nurburgring, don't we? Yeah, which is still, you know, I I had to go back to that for just to double check on some stuff before we went on the air with this, mm-hmm. and I don't say this often, Scott. But that episode holds up. If really? you want to learn about the Nürburgring, yeah, we go through the history of it all the way to, you know, present day as we were recording it. And there's some news about the Nürburgring that has happened since we recorded that. Uh, but yeah, that was a pretty good one. I stand some by. Of the, uh, some of the top contenders might have moved around a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit of shuffling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know that you can still go to a site. In fact, I, I went to the site earlier, uh, to see kind of where the Gumpert stands, um, in the top 100 lap times. Because, uh, you know, back in 2007, they made a run and I don't know, you know, they keep the year there when the run was made. I don't know where it was, if it was the top speed at the time or not. Uh-huh. It might have been. Uh, but the Gumpert Apollo Sport had a lap time of seven minutes, 24 seconds in 2007. And that's when a lot of people had just first heard of this vehicle. I mean, mm-hmm. two years after the inception of the, of the whole program and of the company, rather. And today that stands as uh, number 16 out of the, you know, top 100. And that's still not not bad, right? Not I mean, bad. it's held it's up for top twenty quite a while. That's uh, what uh, nine years ago now. At this mm-hmm. point. All right, so going up to or, or I guess bumping up to two thousand nine, they made another incredible run, uh, which holds them at the number six position as of today. Mm-hmm. It's the Gumpert Apollo Speed, and so uh, the Speed is that the, that's the base one, right? That's the base one. Well, okay, so the Apollo Speed actually holds the. Um, uh, the num- number six position right now with a lap time of seven minutes, 11.57 seconds, which was made in 2009. Wow. So two, two spots out of the top 20 go to Gumpert. Not bad at all. That's really good. Um, and you know, reading back, uh, you know, with, uh, some of the, it's kind of fun to go back and look at the articles from 2009 because a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, where's this car coming from? What's the, right. you know, what is this all about? What's, uh, you know, Who's Gumpert? Why they name it this? <laughs> I, you know, that was one thing that a lot of people said. Like, why why would they name their car Gumpert Apollo? It just sounds like a uh, kind of frumpy mm-hmm. name for a sports car, mm-hmm. like a really sexy sports car like this. And uh, well, we know now that it comes from the uh, the founder's name. Right. It comes from Roland Gumpert. Because yeah. let's be honest, it's not just the way the name Gumpert sounds. It's not something you would associate with speed. Yeah. Well, but you should, though, because, I mean, the racing, I mean, we didn't even mention the racing yet, oh, yeah, but I guess it, we probably should he, here. He proved uh, he proved that you can't judge something by its name. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know what? To him, it sounds like a great name, right? I mean, he's like, he's like <laughs> why wouldn't you put your name on something like this? Right? Oh, yeah, totally. I, I mean, wouldn't you drive the uh, wouldn't you drive the, the Benjamin Arrow or well, something? Of course, we both would. Well, yeah, but that's just me being a narcissist. It would actually be your last name. It would make sense. <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to say the bowl in something. Oh, well, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that all one right. in well, another episode. Well, from, as far as racing goes, I mean, right at the very beginning, in April of 2005, the, the Apollo made its racing debut at, in something called the Divinal Cup. Yeah, yeah, uh, Divinal Cup, uh, it's in, uh, held in Germany. I think, um, well, in 2006, it was at Hocking Hemring. Ah, yes, yes, that's right. Uh, the Hockenheim Ring, I think. Hockenheim Yeah, it's a tough one. That's a long word. Uh, so yeah, I think that's right. And, and Ruben Mays was the driver. He finished third, um, mm-hmm. on, in, on that track in that year. And in 2008, at the 24 hours at Nürburgring, 
Uh, the car was driven by a couple of uh, ex-Formula One racers and uh, in competed in the um, – I shouldn't say this. I should have said this up front. It's the hybrid version. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so the hybrid version. Um, and – uh, let's see. Where else are we going to go here? A Top Gear, maybe? Yeah, let's um, do the, the power lap board. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right, because uh, that's where a lot of people also got a taste of what the Gumper could do, because mm-hmm. you know how they have um, the stake driver on the track and, you know, mm-hmm. get the, the lap time, and they, they place it on the board, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with, you know, moving the magnets around, and the, the, mm-hmm. where is it going to place, you know, as they move it up the board, and everybody kind of cheers as it gets higher and higher. Yeah. Well, the Apollo Sport, the Apollo Sport had a lap time of 1 minute 17.1 seconds, and for a while... It was the fastest on the power uh, power lap board, mm-hmm. but later it was beaten by the Bugatti Veyron Supersport, and mm-hmm. I think five other cars since then. So yeah, yeah. It, it slipped down, but for a while it was number one. And get this, it was faster. It was actually faster than at the time. So you might think like, well, what was on the board? Maybe it wasn't anything, you know, that it didn't really have anything to compete with. I guess, but mm-hmm. um, at the time, the Bugatti Veyron was on the board, and so was the Pagani, uh, Pagani Zonda. So. It did have some serious competition. Those are cars sure. that placed pretty high, and uh, and it did lap faster than those cars. So an impressive package, this whole thing. Really. Yeah, but all of that leads us to an unpleasant situation, an unpleasant turn of events. Sure. So if it's let's say it's 2011, 2012, uh, the Gumbert is a critical success in terms of its performance, its handling, the reviews. People love this vehicle, but there are financial woes. And these culminate in 2013. Uh, Gumpert was in talks with an anonymous backer who was going to make a deal that could have saved the company. Mm-hmm. However, that, uh, that unidentified, um, that unidentified investor backed out of the deal and this forced Gumpert to go into bankruptcy. Or as they call it, to go into administration yeah. in Europe. Yeah, so uh, they had to liquidate the company. In 2013. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, there was a, a little bit of a gap here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think as of, uh, well, uh, actually, I guess we should pick it up again with uh, 2016, right? Yeah. Uh, because in January of 2016, this company was then, the Gumpert Company, which, uh, which we call, uh, was it Gumpert? Um, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I'll tackle it. Uh, this is Gumpert Sportwagen Manufacturer Altenburg uh, GmbH. Very good, Ben. I don't know if that was good. It's a, it's a long name for a company, right? Dear so, German listeners, uh, <laughs> I apologize. Feel free to uh, take take a page from our Australian listeners' book and email a pronunciation guide to me. I will read it. I did print out the one from Australia. It works, and we try. It works, and we try. We do Melbourne. try. <laughs> nice, nice work, show off. <laughs> I get it wrong every time. All right, so in 2016, uh, this company that Ben just mentioned uh, was purchased by a Chinese consortium uh, mm-hmm. with the name of Ideal Team Venture. That's the name of the company. You got the easy one. Well, yeah, but listen to this. I didn't know. I had no idea this was going on. As of April of 2015, that same company, Ideal Team Venture, had purchased the De Tommaso mark. As well, mm-hmm. the Italian, uh, the Italian car manufacturer. Yeah, so think of like the, you know, the Pantera that we talk about sometimes mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 mark has been purchased by the same company, and and of course, you know, this Gumpert, which uh, they renamed, so they renamed the Gumpert company. It's not Gumpert anymore. Right now, it's just called Apollo Automobile, mm-hmm. and with, with no e at the end, automobile. Mm-hmm. And this is actually really good news. I, I thought, well, okay, you know what happens in this case sometimes is they try to manufacture for a short while and nothing right. really happens. It fizzles out. Or they change the – or they attempt to 
change that intangible part of the brand. You know, they'll they'll buy a not ideal venture in specific, but you know, it can happen. Scott, a, a company will buy one brand and then try to make it something it's not. Oh, like uh, the Chinese Hummers, maybe. Hey. I wasn't going to say it, but you're absolutely spot on. <laughs> well, that's that's one, right? There's yeah. a, there's many examples of that out there. And um, I don't mean to pick on, you know, the Hummers, I guess. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so this is good news, really, because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, this week as we're talking, in fact, two days ago from when we were recording this, Apollo Automobile revealed a new vehicle, an incredible new vehicle, really. Oh, it's called the yeah. Apollo Arrow, and they had one product before, which I can't figure out if they revealed at that show or not. I'm going to have to look into it a little more because it's brand new to us. In fact, I just found out about the Arrow today. That's how new it is. Yeah, yeah, it was just a few days before we record. So, which do you want to talk about first, the other product or the Arrow first? Because they have this this, this new company has two new products. And that's pretty exciting. Let's talk about the other one first. The other one first, and not the Arrow. So, we'll talk about one that's called the Apollo N. N. Yeah, and this one's a kind of a toned down version of the one that we're going to talk to you about mm-hmm. in just a moment. But it has a 4.2 liter V8. Again, I think it's sourced from Audi. It's a twin-turbo, seven-speed sequential gearbox, 789 horsepower in this one, Ben. Now, that is equivalent to what was in the race version 
of the Apollo from the previous company, the Gumpert Company. Mm-hmm. So again, you can't say Gumpert with this one. It's just Apollo N. Right. You know, I think uh, listeners correct me if I'm off on this, but I think they both premiered. I think that the Apollo N also premiered at the um, Geneva Motor Show. I'm sure you're right. I, I mean, literally. Two hours ago, I found out that Apollo is still making cars, so I've been trying to piece this together. So and, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's a seven-speed sequential transmission, rear uh, rear-wheel drive, of course, uh, 649 pound-feet of torque. Uh, they claim, they being Apollo, claim that the N can hit uh, zero to 62 in three point. Zero seconds. Yeah, three seconds, zero to 60, which is still lightning fast. It's really quick, mm-hmm. um, considering that it probably has gained some weight along the way, um, you know, just safety right, issues. But right. uh, it's still made out of, you know, tube frame. It's still made out of uh, lots of carbon fiber. I think it's a carbon fiber aluminum sandwich body or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, some some unusual building materials that are going to it are exotic building materials. Yeah, it weighs like two thousand six hundred forty five. That's a, that's heavier than the previous version, right. Yeah, right? And and it's weird because you know if you look at those specs, they're still pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we said, this is a slightly toned down version of uh, the, the car that we're just about to talk to you about. Oh, but yeah. but this one, to me, Ben, out of the two that we're going to mention today, the new products, mm-hmm. the Apollo N, looks. Closer, a lot, a lot more similar to the Gumpert Apollo. It does in shape than yeah. in spirit, I guess. Than uh, than does the Arrow that we're going to mention now. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the Apollo Arrow now. Ah, yes, the Apollo Arrow. So one of my favorite stories about this uh, came uh, came with this title. Autoblog had a great title for this. Apollo Arrow rises from the Gumpert ashes with 1,000 horsepower. Wow, I like it. Yeah, 1,000 horsepower. So that's that's amazing right there. But I think what I saw was that they said that like if you want to think about it this way, it's like the genetic code of the Gumpert Apollo is still in this car. Yeah, like the 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 basis of it. It's just that they've completely reworked it for uh, you know so they could be like the supreme hypercar now. You know that's that's the idea is that it's going to be this uh, this world competitive vehicle. Uh, looks I. I want to hear your opinion, Scott. What do you think of the front? Uh, well, the body change? I'll tell you what I think. I think, I, I kind of like it. I mean, I, I, I'm not entirely on board with it. This has more of a look to me of a McLaren than it does of the Gumpert style. Yeah. Good but it's call. just, it's just getting used to it. Like I said, the Apollo N looks a lot more like the Gumpert did. The, the mm-hmm. Arrow to me looks a lot more like a McLaren. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's my idea. What do you think of the the front end of it? You don't like it, apparently. You know, I'm I'm still on the fence because it might just be me enjoying the original design so much. So it the clearly this is calculated for the aerodynamic benefits, sure. right? So this thing has a nose almost the way a plane would. It's a lot like a beak. Yeah, it's like a beak, and it, it tapers off. It's rounded, so it's not completely pointed, but it it tapers off and goes forward further and, and protrudes farther than the um, than the original Apollo. It looks it, it's not quite a snub nose. As yeah, the, as yeah. The original and Apollo. I'm thinking I, I I think I liked I think I preferred the snub nose, but altogether there is a a smoothness to the design. There are more curves to it. And the first thing I thought when I looked at this was that it looked as though it was a car in an anime film. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's not uh, that's not a bad thing to say. I think uh, I think I agree with you on that. And which means honestly, it looks great. Uh, you know what? I, I also have to say that I think I'm a bigger fan of the Apollo N style 
uh, versus the Apollo Aero style. But but here's what I do like about this one. This is this is an incredible vehicle. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh yeah, I wouldn't turn one away. I don't think. You wouldn't turn no, it down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't slap the keys out of your hand if you were to <laughs> hand them to me, you know. Um, so this one has a, a four-liter V8 twin-turbo engine, as you said, 1,000 horsepower, mm-hmm. 737 foot-pounds of torque. Um, again, seven-speed sequential transmission, so that means it's a paddle shift probably, yeah. um, likely anyways. Uh, safety cell, you know, carbon fiber, aluminum, that stuff, you know, that we mentioned before with the n and an adjustable ride height, which I guess you would kind of expect in a supercar like this, you know, like an air, air right. suspension that allows yeah. it to go up or down, uh, and an air jack system, which I really like. I like mm-hmm. the idea of having an air jack system in a car. Now, here's here's something interesting about the body that I feel like we should mention, and we'll and we'll get back to some of the other stuff here as well. Uh, it was supposedly inspired by sharks. And the F twenty two Raptor. I can see that. I can see the influence of both of those in that. I car. can definitely, I can definitely see the um, the Raptor influence. Mm-hmm. The shark thing is aesthetic. I get it. Yeah. How much of that is marketing? Well, they've been doing that for sixty years or something. Yeah. Maybe but, even longer, probably. But it looks it it looks fantastic. I want to be I want to be clear with you about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right. Uh, you know what? Maybe what? the biggest news of all. Can I can I unload yeah, with this it, one because yeah. I, I I'm excited about this maybe the most. Now, it's street legal, so it's not just a race car. Mm-hmm. However, this particular version, the Apollo Arrow, meets all FIA standards so that if a you know a, a team wanted to race in a certain series, they could then say, yeah, let's build 200 of these for street use, yeah. and then we're going to make our own race version. Oh, uh, which and, is great. And uh, they can compete in any FIA series. So that's, that's really, really cool. I think that's nice. Now, the N isn't that way. I don't think that's, uh, no. that's able to be – and, you know – in other series, sure, yeah, but not FIA standards. Right. Uh, and while we're on production, I want to point out that this car is going to be a production car, but it is not in production as of the time of this recording. The good news is when it does go into production, they'll be building this in Germany. Um, they're probably going to build a 100. They said 100 is going to be their max, but that's still a heck of a lot more than 30. Yeah, and you know what? If somebody grabs onto this and says, yeah, we want to race it in whatever series they happen to want, uh, whatever that standard is, if it, if it goes up to 200, mm-hmm. then they've got to build 200. So, uh, you know, they'll, they'll pay for that to be done or, you know, they'll, they'll, sure. you know, pro- I guess uh, I don't know how this works exactly, but I would guess they would promise that, you know, the other 200 would sell. Which, uh, how can you do that? You know, I'd, I'd be willing to bet, though, that there's enough people out there that would put money down on this and say, yeah, I'd take one if you're going to build 200. Mm-hmm. I think that they would probably sell out within a year. That's just oh, the way I feel. It seems like yeah. even though we're talking at a, an extreme level here, you know, these uh, these hypercars, the supercars, uh, it seems like whenever they release something that's a special edition, something that's uh, un- unique in some way, um, in, no matter what the cost, even if it's a million-dollar car, and I don't know what the pricing will be or anything, but... It seems like somebody always has, you know, four hundred thousand dollars to put down on, on right. one of these as like a down payment. There's always someone. Yeah, there always someone. There's, a, there's always at least five hundred people that want to do that. Why seems. is it never us? Yeah, and get this: they've slightly improved their zero to sixty-two time in this vehicle, mm-hmm. two point nine seconds, which is, I think, right along the lines of where McLaren is today. I think it's right at two point nine. Um, and well, oh, this is not bad at all, Ben. Zero to one hundred and twenty-four miles per hour. That's two hundred kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm. Just eight point eight seconds. Can you imagine that? That's incredible. That's it's super. I mean, I, I just can't, I'm having a hard time imagining what that would feel like on your body accelerating to one hundred twenty-four and eight point eight seconds. It's probably like getting hit by a wall of air. Yeah, it's probably is. It's probably like some of these extreme roller coasters that they yeah. have now. Like, I mean, 
I know you don't quite get that fast, but uh, pretty close. You get the same sensation anyways. Like, uh, what's that? What's that one in Sear Point? Is it Top Fuel Dragster or something like that? Mm-hmm. I bet that feeling is like that when you launch up that hill. Oh, I imagine so. Yeah. I, there's one other thing I, I wanted to bring to everyone's attention, and I know I'm jumping around, but I want to do it before I forget. In 2012-ish or so, leading up to the bankruptcy, there were two other vehicles that Apollo was supposed to build. Really? Yeah. The well, This uh, is news to me. The um, the explosion coupe and the tornate. And I'm, I have some, I, I have like the, the pictures of this. And I wanted to ask whether, like in your opinion, how much or how little these previous designs ended up being in the current iteration. So here is... Um, and listeners can look at this online, yeah. I suppose. It's it was, just, just as easy as we can find it here. Yeah, they were teaming up with – they weren't completely different cars. Uh, so Apollo teamed up with uh, Touring Superlegera to create this Tornate, and it's like a GT version of the Apollo. It's supposed to go on sale 2012. Hmm. And then the Explosion Coupe, which um, – I'm the just going to show you this. Explosion Coupe. So the oh, – Huh, not bad, but you know what? It looks more to me like um like a Nissan GT, uh, Nissan GTR. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it doesn't look like it takes some of the um almost Audi Quattro. It doesn't seem like it takes many of the cues from the other Apollos. So I wonder if we're going to see more of that stuff, or if it's just going to be a done deal because of the bankruptcy, and well, now they've moved to the N and the. What was the name of the one I just saw there? Because it sure looks like a, a car that you'd see more on the street around here and, yeah, instead of, the, you know, the uh, the exotic supercar look. Right. It, uh, that was the Explosion Coupe. The Explosion Coupe. So mm-hmm. uh, so look for that one. The other one was the, what, the Tornate, you said? Mm-hmm. Tornate. Yeah. So so take a look at those online, listeners, and uh, and tell us what you think about those two because um, they're, they're brand new to me. I didn't even know that they were going to build those. Um, this is my first it was look a, at them. I, I, th- I think the language they use um, is – at least for the explosion, was a production intent. Oh, I see. So, so maybe, you know what? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes cars are left on the drawing board when uh, mm-hmm. when, when companies go under. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. well, that's too bad that that happened to those vehicles, but maybe uh, maybe it's best that they moved on because what they've brought back to the market as of this week mm-hmm. um, is, uh, is more along the lines of what we saw with the Gumpert Apollo, and I think that seems to fit the company better. Uh, it just seems like that's their, their brand. They should stick with it, right? Yeah, I really, I think it is their brand. I think you're correct. And I really want this stuff to succeed. I want to see one of these at a car show. Well, it would the- be great to see it in on the road, but I don't. I don't know if we will because how would you be how would you buy this car and drive it on streets like Atlanta? Well, it's, it's true, I guess. I mean, but if it has an adjustable ride height with that air suspension, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible. It's possible. Is it advisable? But, but you know what? I mean, honestly, our streets are in far better condition than when you head north and get into areas where they use a lot of salt on the roads in the wintertime. Yeah, uh, with potholes and stuff like that. We do have the um, we have speed bump hazards. Uh, right. That are that are far worse than other places because uh, and I, have we ever talked about this? Maybe we have. Down here in parking lots, you'll find uh, speed bumps all over the place, and you'll find mm-hmm. them in uh, neighborhood, you know, like in residential streets. You'll find speed bumps as you go through. There might be one in your house that just got built while you were at work. <laughs> Seems like it. They're everywhere. And you know, I was thinking when I first moved here how unusual that was, and then I realized that they don't have to worry about snowplows. 
And up north, oh yeah, if you, if you hit a speed bump with a snowplow, that causes serious damage. I mean, you could bend the frame of the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, there's just not quite as many speed bumps up there, and that's that's got to be the reason. That's my best guess, anyways. You know, in parking lots, they also don't have um, a lot of well, there are a few, but not a lot where they have uh, you know those concrete uh, barriers, so like a, a stop, you know, mm-hmm. so you don't don't roll past uh, you know in the in the middle of the parking lot. Um, it's yeah. more wide open up there versus here where they have a lot of those concrete barriers. And I think that has to be it. So that, you know, if it was obscured by snow, uh, the snowplow drivers would just plow right over them, causing damage to, you know, the parking lot and also to their own vehicle. You know, that's going to be our new party line. When people ask me, Ben, why, why don't you have a supercar or a hypercar? Uh, I'm not going to say because it costs too much money. Now I'm going to say, well, the roads are kind of not built for them here. And uh, I just don't think it's a good decision, which is going to be not the entire truth, but not a lie. That's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. No one's going to believe it. You're like, why aren't you, uh, you're not driving your LaFerrari because of, because of, uh, you know, what, speed bumps? Yeah, and potholes. Yeah. Actually, uh, we may have talked about this on the show before, but I'm not sure how common this is in other cities Atlanta has a strange, the city of Atlanta at least, has a strange love of putting down metal plates. I knew you were going to say the metal plates because they are a hazard, I'll tell you. They um, they, they use it to cover up, they can leave open pits on the road then. Right, and then if, if a weighty car hits that plate the wrong way and moves it, like let's say a tractor trailer or something, then all of a sudden you have a very dangerous situation because these these holes are not like, these holes are not like pothole dips that are a few inches. These things could be over six inches, you know. Well, they're deep enough. Sometimes, sometimes they're deep enough for people to crawl into and work on, uh, you know, some of the infrastructure. That's right, going, like you know? electric lines, it, water, utilities. Exactly. And you're right. If they get shifted around a little bit. Now, it's, now it sounds like a terrible plan to do something like that, but but it, it works because those plates are, what are they, like three quarters of an inch thick maybe? Yeah. They're, they're very thick and you hit Very that. heavy. And the problem is you hit that. That three-quarter inch, uh, you know, edge. That lip, yeah. As you're driving in traffic, you know, in in the city or wherever, and uh, oh man, that's a that's a bone shaker. It really mm-hmm. is. I mean, it'll uh, it'll rattle fillings loose out of your teeth. It's really mm-hmm. really rough. It's crazy. Sometimes but... sometimes they go to the extra effort of adding some uh, some asphalt to the very edge of it to make like a little ramp up to it. Yeah, which I think is considerate. And it sort of holds it in place too, but mm-hmm. um they uh it's it's not very often that that happens. Well, let us know what you think ladies and gentlemen. Let us know about the roads in your neck of the woods, your part of the globe, uh because I'm interested to I'm I'm especially interested to learn about who has the best or worst roads because we have people write in and tell us about terrible roads. But, you know, I guess you don't, if you don't have anything to complain about, you're not going to rave about how good the roads are. Yeah, like if you're out in the country and you've got to travel on those, you know, like those uh, dirt roads that end up being kind of washboarded after oh, yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, those are maddening because either you go fast and, and skip right over it and destroy mm-hmm. your suspension. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, you know, it's, it's gravel roads. That's not a great idea. But uh, Or you go slow and you just take the punishment. You know? Right. And, and also, uh, let us know what you think about the new Apollo. Oh, yeah, the brand new one, the uh, mm-hmm. the N and the Arrow. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we'd love to hear what you think about the, uh, I guess we'll call it the historic uh, oh, yeah, Apollos, yeah, yeah. right? The Gumpert Apollo, which is, uh, it's funny to say historic, but um, the previous version, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The, you know, tell us what you think about the N versus the Arrow. Which one do you like better? I'd like yeah. to know that, too. And do you think that this will be a game changer for racing? Uh, uh, other things. 
one more. What's that? I'd like to know what they think about the uh, the two models that were never built. Ah, yes. Uh, let's or, or didn't enter production at least. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so. Uh, because I do think the explosion was shown at a Geneva show. Okay. Um, and I may be incorrect on that, but yes, let us know. And as always, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter if you want to check it. We're CarStuffHSW on that. If you want to check out our earlier podcast on the Nürburgring, uh, please do so. You can find it on our website, CarStuffShow.com. And if you want to take a page from Aaron S.'s book and write to us with a suggestion for an upcoming episode or topic you would like to hear more about, we're all ears. Not, not literally, it's a bigger speech. What I'm saying is you can write to us directly without any of that social media rigmarole or brouhaha We are Car Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.